0: This is Inside Berkeley. I'm Kim Ashton. On this episode, we talk to Donald Harrison, a New Orleans born and raised alto saxophonist who's been called the king of nouveau swing. Harrison graduated from Berkeley in 1982 and went on to play with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, Terrence Blanchard, Lena Horn, Miles Davis, the notorious B.I.G., and many, many others. In addition to leading several of his own bands and releasing more than 25 albums over the past 30 years, Harrison has mentored many up and coming jazz talents. Aspects of his life and music are chronicled in two of the characters on the HBO show Treme, set in New Orleans. Donald Harrison, welcome to Inside Berkeley*.
1: It's great to be here. It's always great to be at Berkeley.
0: One of the things that strikes me about your bio is how deeply your personal history is rooted in New Orleans. How do you think growing up in that city shaped you as a person and as a musician?
1: Well, I look at myself uh, as having the full spectrum of American music from maybe an African-American perspective because it's the only place where they let Africans play drums in America. So there's uh, offshoot culture and rituals and drumming and uh, and tribes that uh, continued in New Orleans and, uh, of course, the the brass bands, the traditional jazz of New Orleans and all the other different styles that uh, this uh, offshoot A culture from Congo Square has influenced. So uh, I like to think of myself as having having one of the root music styles of American music to uh, contemporary music and all all the parts in between. And uh, what helped me was going into different types of bands and learning from masters of a lot of different types of music, how they put their music together so then I was able to fill in the blanks and and have a an idea of the whole history of what happened with the uh, music here in America.
0: And were you exposed to many of these masters growing up in New Orleans?
1: I was exposed at home because my parents listened to all types of music. So uh one day we might listen to Etta James and then the next day we we would be listening to uh Bach and Purcell and Mozart and then going to Ravi Shankar and UNESCO series of music, Pygmy music from Africa. <laughs> and then uh, James Brown and, you know, Bob Dylan, music from uh, Broadway plays. And uh, when I was growing up, there was a lot of musicals uh, in the movies. So all of those things. It's just uh, very fortunate that I was able to hear a lot of music and participate in the cultural music of New Orleans.
0: You coined the term Afro-New Orleans. What does this term mean?
1: Well, uh, after playing with musicians from Cuba and uh, from Puerto Rico and different uh, Caribbean islands as well as Brazil and uh, Peru, they always were uh, music that was influenced by African culture and African rhythms and singing. They called it Afro, Afro Afro Afro-Cuban, Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Brazil. So I realized that the music from New Orleans fit that bill. And I've always called New Orleans the most northern Caribbean island, you know, because we have the same things that they have carnival, where you have uh, two sides of it, the part that we see on TV and then this kind of African idea of of what carnival should be. So I, I thought it was apropos and... Time to correctly name New Orleans music.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about what Congo Square is?
1: Well, Congo Square is a place in New Orleans where Africans gathered on Sunday and they participated in their culture, their African culture. So if you were uh, Yoruba or you, you were Congolese, you could gather with people from Africa from your area and participate in that culture. And sort of, so you had your African culture here in America. And then uh, these things uh, took in some Caribbean influences. And New Orleans developed its own culture that, that derived from African culture. So that's why it's, it's, a, it's a new entity uh, that we created. I call it offshoot cultures. And, and that's why uh, we have this Afro New Orleans kind of sound.
0: Mhm. Would your parents go to Congo Square on Sundays? Would you hear that music growing up?
1: Yeah, my father was a chief, but uh uh I I heard the music from all the drummers, you know. My mother makes a joke that I used to play rhythms on the uh, on the crib because uh, they would have what they call practice at my father's house. He was a chief of the Creole Wild West at the time. And I guess I heard all this drumming and singing. And uh, I was immediately taken by it as even before I could walk.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, Tremay, the new HBO show about a group of New Orleans residents uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, echoes part of your life. What aspects of your life are reflected in that show?
1: Well, that's, it's the two characters, uh, the son and the chief. The son is a trumpeter, and uh, he... He's really talking about things I did in the music business that he was uh, doing. Some things, of course, drama for television that didn't actually happen in my life. But there's a story of different recordings I made that go through the, uh, the series and some of the ideas I have about maintaining culture and the importance of doing that so that the new generations have this root source to, to draw upon and, and to try to... Uh, keep uh some authentic elements alive i mean i'm I'm not a person who says you have to do everything exactly like someone did it in 1920 but just have an understanding so uh it gives you a, an idea of uh the depth of of what the culture really is
0: and when you say maintaining culture do you mean the african-american culture in new orleans and and jazz culture that came from it
1: yeah well you know uh there, there is there is an African Americans perspective, but that's gonna happen because uh, of who you are. It's it's like there's a Jewish culture that's gonna all those things are gonna be maintained, and the uh, Catholic culture, and Chicago culture, and New York, Boston culture. You know, here we you love lobster here, and and <laughs> so you know there's different things from everywhere. So all those things will be maintained. I think if we uh, just keep doing what we're doing, but just keeping and uh an authentic uh idea of what it was and then building from there. Mm-hmm. That's the, uh, that's the way I think uh, it'll it it will maintain its roots.
0: Mm-hmm. Um we just passed the 10 year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And I was wondering how you think this event um is reflected in the music of New Orleans today and how it, how it affected the music of coming out of New Orleans.
1: Yeah, well, Katrina was a wake-up call. And uh, I think it really, not only a wake-up call for New Orleans, but a wake-up call for the world. It, I think the world realized the cultural significance of New Orleans and that uh, the music from that city had influenced how we think of uh, music around the world and that we needed to continue to have uh, one of the root cultures and places that uh, contribute an idea of what uh, American music is to the world. Actually, now it's the world's music (laughs) to have that root source stay alive. And so a lot of people came from different places to make sure that we had uh, an avenue to keep doing that. And I think it gave us a wake-up call as to uh, how important it was in our lives, and uh, how important it is to make sure that we pass down what has been there for so long, and that it continues. You know, you can hear the culture of New Orleans and people from like Fats Domino and the Neville Brothers, and go back to Sidney Bechet and. And uh, Jelly Roll Martin, all those, all these great musicians have uh, they they taken elements from everywhere. Because of course for, uh, French opera was an influence in New Orleans to people like Sidney Bechet, and uh, the brass band music from Philip Sousa was something that influenced the, the brass band jazz, traditional jazz in New Orleans. So all these elements mixed together. So all these things are very important. But it's very important to keep the main thread alive.
0: Of the many accomplished artists that you've worked with, one that stands out from the rest in terms of genre is the Notorious B.I.G. How did your collaboration with him come about?
1: Well, it was funny because he was my neighbor, and I used to see him on the stoop when he was very young, maybe 12 and 13 years old, and he would always engage me. He was very mature, and some kind of way he... uh, he told me he liked music and and uh, we started talking about music and he said he wanted to come by. And he was so young. I, I talked to his mother at that time to get approval because he he couldn't leave the stoop at that time. <laughs> and he uh, he would come by and and then we started uh, working on a concept of how we could put hip hop uh, his hip hop music on onto record and and things elements from my experiences that could help him to uh to be the best that he could be. And uh I remember some of the things were uh make sure that you enunciate everything because from my ears at the time I couldn't uh decipher what some of the hip hoppers were saying. So well, if you notice on his records you can hear every word, you know, and, and to work on, I was, I had worked with Lena Horne and I, I, I found her remarkable, remarkable because you could see a picture as she sang, you know, the lyrics of songs. She was acting them and you could, for me, I could actually visualize these things going on that she was singing about. So, uh, we discussed writing lyrics, in the hip hop genre where you could see, you could visualize what, you was, what uh, he was saying and telling a story with the lines that goes from point A to point B that you could visualize, so that's another key. And rhythmic uh, elements that we'd cops from, uh, from bebop drummers, mm-hmm. different things like that.
0: You've been called the king of nouveau swing. Where does this name come from?
1: Well, it's, uh, Nouveau Swing was uh, something that a French fan dubbed the music we were playing because my concept was to, uh, well let's start like this, I, I grew up in New Orleans and we used to dance at my house all the time to so James Brown and various R&B and funk people that were on the radio and my mother was the person who got us to do that. So. I always had this idea that you're supposed to dance to music and uh, then I started playing jazz and I I still wanted to dance to the music and I still and I wanted to uh, actually put everything that I'd learned together and some kind of way I, I heard that James Brown could merge with Duke Ellington and Art Blakey could swing. Or that uh, hip hop could swing, so I put these two elements together. I, I figured out how to swing hip hop, and so uh, it was still swinging, but it was funky underneath—hip uh, mm-hmm. hop or soul or rock underneath. So then I uh, did a record called Nouveau Swing, and uh, but the term Nouveau Swing came because of fan in France was hearing some of the stuff I was working on and said. That's uh, Nouveau Swing. It's a new swing. Mm-hmm. So I liked it. So, And then uh, I guess because I sort of put that kind of idea together, people said that's the king of Nouveau Swing. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: now switching gears a little bit, you came to Berkeley in 1979 and graduated in 1982. What drew you here and uh, what did you get out of it? In other words, how did Berkeley influence you?
1: Well, I, I was drunk. Uh, drawn to Berkeley because my mother had researched the the, the school and she she said I think you should go there and I I said okay she was uh, always helping me find other avenues because she knew I really wanted to play music then I got here and found out it was a great school as far as I know it's the first school to accept the innovations of American musicians and put a, uh, a college program together where you could actually get a degree. So you know when when that is the mindset of a place, it has a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you know that you're respected here for wanting to go that way. I was, I've spoken to other musicians who uh, went to colleges to learn music, and they had to play what, what they call legit music or classical music. Mm-hmm. If they were caught playing jazz or soul music or uh bluegrass music, any other kind of music, they might get thrown out of the program. <laughs> so it's it's incredible what Berkeley did when they decided that American music is important as well. And then gave us an opportunity to, to uh to get a degree in, in this and uh, learn about this music. But when I got here, one of the things that struck me was the uh vast amount of young musicians uh my age who were really proficient and that uh I had some teachers that were professional musicians uh like Bill Pierce who was uh actually innovative on the tenor saxophone who had un- who understood the elements that I wanted to have in my sound how to swing and play with a good feeling but move into a personal sound so Every time I see him, I, I tell him I owe him royalties because I stole so much from him. <laughs> well, just being in that kind of environment uh, with all these great teachers and like-minded uh, young students, uh, and if you go through the list of students who were here with me, you'll find out there's some of the leading lights in uh, in the music industry today. Uh, it, it was great for me because I wanted to play so bad, and I had... I had uh, a lot to draw from here, mm-hmm. and a lot of work and a lot of inspiration, and it, it set me up to be able to uh, go into uh, different types of bands and uh, have the skills to uh, fine tune whatever little knowledge I had to each band and uh, leave with something from them as well. So uh, it it was uh, very necessary for me. At, I think uh, Wenton Marcellus had a record called Hot House Flowers about musicians who uh, learned in school. What I was learning, I had the best of both worlds while I was a student here. My first gig in New York was with Roy Haynes, I was 19 years old, so I would be going back and forth to New York and various places, playing with great musicians and coming back here, Jack McDuff, come back to Berkeley, So I was putting all of these different ideas together from both sides. we had what great teachers who were professional musicians at Berkeley, students, and then playing with the masters. All of these elements were coming alive inside of me.
0: And since then, you've come back to Boston and to Berkeley many times since you've graduated. Uh, Most recently, you kicked off NPR's Toast of the Nation, a jazz celebration from Boston on New Year's Eve in 2014. And uh, that spring in 2014, you toured with a group of Berkeley students as part of the college's Masters on the Road series. Can you talk a little bit about the connection you feel to Berkeley and to Boston?
1: Well, you know, uh, what I feel about Berkeley is that this is... uh In terms of having a place where you can learn almost anything you want to learn about music, I don't think there's another school in the universe like this. (laughs) So, you know, if you want to learn about film scoring, it's here. And have the best of the best. If you want to learn about how to engineer, it's the best of the best. Hip-hop, best of the best. Jazz, best of the best. Classical, best of the best. So uh, there's no other environment that has everything on such a high level. And then the, the people here are uh, such good people that uh, any any person that, even someone who's seasoned like me, if you don't want to come back here and just feel this vibe and look around and learn, add more to your vocabulary, then maybe you need to reconsider. So I, I love coming here. And uh, the students here are incredible uh teachers are here. The teachers here are incredible when we did the Berkeley masses on the road they uh they rehearsed the students before uh I think it was jim rehearsed the students before I got here and they knew the knew my music, which is usually complicated for people But they you know so there's some we've had instances like where it couldn't be achieved by some musicians, so to see those young students uh achieve those compositions was remarkable to me and they did a great job on the road with us uh It's always a great experience good friends here and they uh they help a lot help a lot of people this school helps a lot of people incredible for me music is mind body, and soul so and uh Share your heart with people and learn from others. Be humble and you'll learn more. Be a sponge. Let the music come in and then give it back.
0: Well, Donald Harrison, thanks so much for joining us in Inside Berkeley.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: This episode was engineered by student Steve Shaw in partnership with The Burn. I'm Kim Ashton for Inside Berkeley.